at Baxis, our real focus is the tokenization and markets of wine and spirits. We love to brag about this, but on Baxis, we have users who are in their 70s and 80s. And I don't think there are really any other crypto protocols or blockchain protocols that could say that they have 70-year-olds and 80-year-olds using their platform. That Baxis is really setting out for is giving people real-world experiences and real-life benefits and use cases so that they can do things they never were able to do before, before blockchain really took off. And that's how we think the next million users are going to be onboarded to crypto and beyond. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another really exciting episode of Voices of Web3 by Voice of Crypto, where, as you all are familiar, we get the top guests. Uh, we get pioneers from the space of Web3, crypto, and emerging technologies like blockchain and AI. And today we have with us a really interesting guest. We have uh, Sui Weasel with us, who is the CEO, co-founder of Baxis, and uh, I've already spoken to him about the project, and he's doing some really interesting stuff out there, which is exactly why we call our episode today The Art of Tokenization and uh, how these guys have managed to become the, the great artists at The Art of Tokenization is something that he's going to walk us through in detail. Thank you so much for joining us today, Sui, and uh, the stage is all yours. Please go ahead and uh, introduce yourself, talk a little bit about Baxis. Thank you so much, Arundi, for having me. Um, yeah, so um, as you mentioned, my name is uh, Tzvi Weisel, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of Baxis. Um, at Baxis, our real focus is the tokenization and markets of wine and spirits, of fine and rare wines and spirits. Um, and so we work with collectors, traders, uh, investors, you know, enthusiasts to really help them find all over the world the, their you know, the hardest to find rarest bottles and casks, barrels as well of, like I said, fine and rare wines and spirits. We actually physically vault them, um, providing authentication and security, and then tokenize them, um, putting them on chain so that the ownership of those assets can be traded anywhere in the world. Absolutely. So uh, if I'm not wrong, there has been a rise in investing in uh, spirits and collecting as well. How do you sort of monetize on this idea? Where did you come up with this idea? What sort of market research went into sort of bringing the project live? Yeah, so <clears throat> this weekend actually was a perfect example um, for why we launched Baxis. Uh, a single bottle of whiskey, uh, a Macallan 1926 Valerio Adami, just sold at auction um, for $2.7 million. Um, but when you look at the actual hammer price, meaning the actual, you know, the price at the end of the auction, it was around 2.1 million pounds, um, which when you think about that to, to the dollar side, you end up having about 25 or 30% fees on top of it, the hammer fees that the buyer then pays. So that's what really drives up the price from, let's say, you know, $2.3 million all the way up to $2.7 million. So the buyer ends up paying an extra $300,000. And that bottle hasn't been seen at auction in a couple of years. So let's say you're someone who has a 1926 Valeria Dami sitting, you know, at home, which... If you do, please contact me because um, that means you're sitting on a, you know, close to $3 million bottle of whiskey. But so but there's no way to access the actual value of that asset other than bringing it to auction. And what I saw when I looked at tokenization and I looked at crypto and I looked at the markets and the way that NFTs traded was what was so incredible was it allowed artists to sell their art to people anywhere in the world. 
And so when we were sitting there thinking, you know, I, I have a background, I used to be a whiskey trader um, and I was a big enthusiast and collector. So I looked at this market where I'm like, why is it that every time I want to trade a bottle, I have to ship it to someone, I have to send it halfway around the world, which, you know, these are stored in glass bottles. So there's risk, you know, I don't know what, what shipping is like by you, but I would say that the package handlers by us don't necessarily treat everything uh, with the utmost care. And so we said, how do we take the best parts of blockchain and tokenization and NFTs, but apply it to a type of collectible or asset that has an intrinsic value that people are looking for that are hard to find? And that's really where Baxis came from, was helping to connect um, collectors with the items they want to collect. So, so you were pretty quick on identifying this trend in the market and you already mentioned that you have been a trader of spirits for quite some time. If I'm not wrong, this is a rather chaotic market, still hasn't seen um, the daylight of the mainstream media as much. Baxis surely has, I'm sure I've read all of those Forbes articles. Um, so what were the key challenges that you guys faced and how were you able to identify them and work on those as a sector? It's a great question. So for us, some of our earliest issues, I would say, are, you know, we're based in the US. So there's the first issue is just the regulatory framework in the US around tokenization and crypto and blockchain is very hard to navigate. Um, we were very fortunate that our focus, because we were focusing on real world goods, you know, we weren't printing tokens out of the air. A lot of the concerns around securities and things like that were able to overcome. You know, we have very good legal counsel and Baxis was able to position itself in a way where we weren't addressing the same issues that crypto or NFT projects were facing. Um, because each of our tokens is, it's not fractionalized, it's one-to-one -one ownership of the underlying asset. Uh, the other, I'd say some of the earlier things also was that the, the average wine and whiskey collector tends right now, trends to be older. Um, you know, older, like an older generation. And so we had to figure out how do we abstract away all of the complicated, riskier parts of blockchain to give them a really, really simple and easy to use interface because they might be sitting there trying to buy, you know, we have, I, I, we love to brag about this, but on Baxis, we have users who are in their 70s and 80s. And I don't think there are really any other crypto protocols or blockchain protocols that could say that they have 70 year olds and 80 year olds using their platform. And for us, that's something we're really proud of because we look at, how this market grows and the way that you really grow a market is obviously starting with younger people and that's a separate thing of like you know we have we have an age gap you know they're not trading if they're below legal you know if they're below 18 or 21 depending on what country they're in but at the same time that means that we want to be able to capture the runway going up we want to be able to catch people going into their 60s 70s 80s so really thinking about how we abstract away blockchain how we make it super simple for people to use was, um, was also an early challenge because so much of the initial blockchain focus was on purely digital, purely tokenized, you know, native token native transactions. Now, thankfully, we have more stable coins and, uh, you know, uh, uh, cryptocurrencies that help people, you know, transact and more, more protocols that allow for everyday people to use a credit card to pay for something or to generate a wallet using an email instead of a seed phrase. So those were some of the earliest challenges were overcoming the early parts of blockchain um, in order to make sure that Baxis was really user-friendly. Makes sense. How exactly are you guys incorporating blockchain technology, AI, I'm sure, and data analysis to sort of um, 
yeah, get more customers and how are you sort of um, making the right kind of UX, UI? Because you, you mentioned that your the, the target age group or the current customer base is um, in the higher age group. So how do you make it rather simple for, I'm sure, guys who are not as well-versed with tech as, uh, let's say, an 18-year-old would be? How are you guys managing that while incorporating blockchain tech in all of this? Yeah, so the blockchain technology for us was really, you know, the brilliance of blockchain was what it does on the back end. It's the ability to have this, you know, immutable permanent ledger that can prove provenance, because that's so important in wines and spirits is who owned this before? Where did this come from? Um, you know, is this authentic? And so that's a big part of what we do is when the bottles come into our, when the bottles come into our vault, we actually take the bottles, um, we scan them, we do a 360 degree scan of the bottles, we authenticate them, you know, making sure with human experts, and that's where the AI comes in as well, is we're using those human experts and those scans to train AI computer vision models, so that in the future, our goal is that you could pull out your phone you know, using this huge, huge, huge data set of, of historical bottles and take a picture of a bottle or just tap it, you know, look at your phone at it. And it'll say, based on the color of the liquid or the height of the label or the seal on the foil cap, this is authentic or inauthentic. So really building the world's largest, you know, photographic database with that, you know, human supervised learning, basically on the machine learning models from human experts. So that's how we're, you know, incorporating AI and, and where we hope that that continues to go is to be able to, as we feed it more data to be able to extrapolate more and more information about the bottles. Um, on top of it, as the blockchain side, so that's about the record keeping and the transactions. So each of these bottles themselves, the ownership, you know, the proof of ownership is tokenized. And so that's really important to us because it means that, that those tokens are able to, um, how would I put it? I'm just trying to think how to, those, each of those tokens representing one of one ownership on Baxis means that you now, when you complete a transaction, we have a record of who you sold it to, how much you sold it for. So that helps to create price discovery. Because one of the other really hard points with almost any, you know, any sort of these trading cards or collectibles is, and especially with auctions is, well, what's the value? What is this worth right now? Because there are some bottles that might not have appeared at auction for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, but we know that it's not the same price as it was 10, 15 or 20 years ago. So trying to understand what the values of those trades are and getting, because a lot of those trades might happen privately. Somebody might sell it to their friends. So getting all of that data in there is really important as well. So uh, data scraping from the internet, you know, collecting information from auctions, from private transactions, that really helps feed that democratization element, that ability to really present information to users in a way that's really simple to understand. So in the same way that if you go onto a, you know, a crypto exchange or an NFT exchange, you see exactly what the last price that the asset sold for was. So you're not trying to guess. And so that's that's something that we're trying to bring as well. Um, and then on top of it is the each bottle itself gets tagged with an RFID. And each of those RFID stickers then holds onto that metadata of the authentication of the scan, all of the information that goes into the bottle at the time that we uh, that we run it um, becomes really really important for us as well, um, and that's something that we that we are storing on the blockchain so that eventually when these bottles you know some of the bottles in our vault are over a hundred years old, and so what's really cool is we hope that in a hundred years from now when somebody opens up a bottle that may have been released today you know they can tap the RFID and see the history the full history of that bottle in a way that we can't right now for these bottles that are currently over a hundred years old so. 
Baxis is really focused on not just the technology of the future, but preserving the past using that technology. Really interesting stuff and quite a few new concepts out there as well. If I'm not wrong, Baxis is also connecting a lot of global distilleries, right? So if you can, in terms of geographies, talk about what all distilleries have you partnered with and how exactly are investors benefiting from this or how are your customers benefiting from this sort of a partnership? Yeah, so one of the other pieces of blockchain that we built out using um, using LoRaWAN on the, on the Helium network is this ability to actually track um, trying to think, climate data. So, so temperature, humidity, the information that's really important to making sure the bottles are stored properly is also really useful and interesting data in the maturation process of the barrels and the casks that are aging at the distilleries. So when we work with distilleries, we provide them with a couple of different benefits. One of them is the creation of cask clubs. So they can actually form like a private membership group where you get, you know, you get a membership to the distillery, you get your own barrel of whiskey, and you develop this affinity and this brand, you know, loyalty between you and you and the distillery in order to be able to um, in order to be able to like prove, you know, in the same way that you can now, like with token gated chats, you can like log on to their website and connect your wallet or in this case, you know, your email and your account because your wallet is linked to it. And then you'll get access to special pages or special releases or things that the average public doesn't get because you've bought into it. You're you're a part of the fan club. Um, and that's one like really cool way. And and that's something that, again, builds that relationship between the distillery and the consumer, because right now distilleries might produce stuff in Scotland and then sell the bottles to New York or to or to India or to Australia. And they don't know who their customer on the other side is. So by using Paxis and by having this stuff stored, they're able to see anonymously. They don't see your name, but they see, hey, this account has these bottles from our brand and we would love to invite them to the distillery for a private tour when they come to visit us in scotland or we would love to send them an offer for a special limited edition bottle or you know even if it's some, a limited edition glass something that's really cool to show that the brand wants to develop its relationship with you because that's ultimately when it comes to things like spirits there are so many choices out there so many different whiskeys around the world so it's about building those relationships with your customers and your consumers that really makes long-term permanent relationships and it helps them continue to grow um, even at times when people might stop buying you know the, if there's a slowdown in the economy or people are buying less whiskey people still have their their brands that they're loyal to and we're helping them build that brand loyalty i was reading about a lending feature on Maxis, which came off as a really interesting feature to me because you can definitely transfer ownership but how would lending of uh, something like spirits which you've tokenized work and how does it exactly benefit customers yeah so lending is one of my favorite features that we're rolling out because it almost it effectively doesn't exist in the world right now for private collections of, of spirits so typically when you think of collateral you think of a car a house things that can be you know repossessed in the event of a default but what makes spirits lending so interesting especially where you have this real-time pricing data is that you're now able to determine um, that this bottle is worth X amount of dollars and it's been worth that amount of, you know, of money because whiskey and spirits in general and wine tend to be less volatile than the rest of the markets, especially on the day to day. You may see some, you know, obviously you see increases and, you know, de uh, decreases over time, but it's not like, you know, a bottle is going from, you know, $300 to $5 in a day, you know, and you see this with certain, you know, stocks or crypto tokens, there's news that can drop the price or skyrocket the price um, from a collateral perspective. So what enables the lenders and the borrowers to do on Baxis is to know that these bottles are authentic and they're safely secured. 
and that the lender now can lend against the bottle, the specific bottle or the specific cask. And it has two major impacts. One of them is it allows for people who are sitting on really valuable assets to access liquidity in a way that they never could before. Because right now, the only way for them to access that liquidity would be to sell the bottle. But they don't necessarily want to sell it. They might say, hey, you know what? I think this is a ton of value and I want to hold this for 20 years. But I would like to borrow $1,000 right now to go and fix my car, or buy a new pair of shoes, whatever it is that these people want the money for. And they can now borrow against those valuable assets without having to sell them. So that's the first side where it helps the, you know, the retail collector or consumer. Where it also helps on two sides is for the institutions because we want to bring on more institutional investors who are buying bottles, who are buying casks of whiskey and spirits and wine. And for them, institutions, when they're buying almost anything, are using margin. They're using the ability to buy these assets, but then to borrow against them so that they continue to trade. So by giving them that same access to capital against those assets and by providing clear pricing data, <clears throat> excuse me, by providing clear pricing data to lenders, they understand the you know, loan to value ratios and the risk that they're taking. And then lastly, it really helps new brands and distilleries because brands and distilleries are, especially in the wines and spirits game, it's a, it's a waiting game. You know, a whisk, to make a 30-year whiskey, you need 30 years. So you have to produce the whiskey today. You have all of the capital costs up front, but you're not necessarily able to extract any value until, you know, 30 years comes around. And that obviously has a huge impact on business operations. And so what we've done at Paxis is now enable new brands and new distilleries that are getting off the ground to collateralize their inventory and be able to grow their business without having to take some of the more traditional routes, which often benefit the, you know, the financiers, but are much less beneficial to the actual distilleries and brands. On a way, layman's uh, level, how is Baxis different from, let's say, a traditional trading platform? Um, I already know that there are not a lot of hidden fees or there's, um, there's nothing that would, you know, keep your customers in dark, but uh, what I think would be the key points that differentiate you guys from a traditional platform and why would you, uh, and what exactly is your, let's say, elevator pitch to customers or invest institutional investors? Yeah, so the first thing is security. Um, all of the backs, all the bottles in the backs vault are authentic and authenticated and insured. And that's like the first critical off the ground is these are properly stored, they're insured and they're authentic. So if you're buying something on Baxis, you know that the bottle you see is the bottle you get. Because we also do that full 360 degree scan. So it's not a 3D image or a stock photo. It's if there's a tear in the label, you see that, which is really important when it comes to things like whiskey and collectibles in general is the condition of the of the bottle, the condition of the asset. And that's something that you don't get in a lot of other platforms because they're giving you 3D digital renderings or just stock images. So that's the first differentiator. The second part is we charge a seller's fee on each on each sale, a 10% seller's fee, but we don't charge a buyer's premium. So the price you see is the price you pay, which is also really, really important because on so many other platforms or even on auctions, as I mentioned, there's somewhere between a 10 and 30% buyer's premium. And so by eliminating the buyer's premium, the seller and the buyer are both getting better deals because the seller is able to make, is able to list it at a higher price. The buyer is able to buy it at the price that they see without paying premiums. And so even though the seller pays the 10% fee, they end up netting out more money than they would if they were selling it on a uh, on another type of, you know, on an auction or a, or a more traditional platform. And um, and lastly, what it what it really, really helps with is again, and, and this is kind of the core of Baxis, is it helps connect to a global market. 
because you can have the bottle stored in the US and the owner can be stored in, it can live in the UK and the buyer, the new buyer can live in Australia or India or anywhere around the world and be able to trade globally without the friction of having to ship these things all over the world. Absolutely. You, you briefly spoke about your consumer base and uh, if I'm not wrong, there's quite a big waiting list that you guys have um, for your customers. It clearly shows that there is a very decent demand in the market for uh, such kind of investment products. Uh, do you see this becoming a norm for uh, large company portfolios? And um, also, what, what kind of customers are you seeing um, in terms of geographies? Age, you already briefly spoke about, but if you could talk a little bit more about that. Are there more men, women, uh, other genders? How does it look like? Yeah, so I what we believe and what we're seeing now is that um, there was a report that came out last year. I have to double check which I don't want to misspeak as to which report, but it showed that 40% of ultra high net worth individuals and in family offices intend to diversify their portfolios into wines and spirits. They intend to bring wines and spirits into their actual portfolio of what they're holding as assets. And part of and that's fantastic, because, again, these are really, really interesting types of assets in general. They appreciate with age and time. They're naturally deflationary in that every time somebody opens a bottle to enjoy it, there's one less bottle in circulation for somebody else to buy. And so eventually the, the, you know, the specific vintage or the specific bottles will run out. And so providing that data to traders and collectors means you know, more and more information about how much is out there. So for us, it's about you know, offering them an opportunity to start trading, which becomes really beneficial to retail consumers and retail traders because they might be the ones who have the first access in their liquor stores and their local shops, but then they're not just trading it with their friends locally. They're able to now sell it to a global audience who might want a limited edition bottle that was only released in California and is now available to people all over the world. So on the demographic side, definitely trends right now. There's definitely more men on the platform. Um, and that's something that we're looking to, you know, increase and grow that pool over time. And a lot of that comes from different perspectives. I think historically, um, whiskey and spirits have traditionally been viewed very much so in like a, a more male space, but that is changing. There's a lot of really great initiatives to help grow that market as well and really change that. And, um, and that's something that we're doing as well through education and through, you know, providing information that, hey, this isn't just, you know, an old boys club. There's really an opportunity for everyone over here. And what's super interesting about it is that most of the actual distillers, the, the producers of whiskey tend to, there's a lot of a lot of women in that side of the industry actually doing the master distillers or the master blenders. And so it becomes really interesting to see that disconnect. And we're like, okay, how do we share that information with the world to let them know like, hey, the whiskey that you're drinking is that was actually, you know, it was made by a woman who's been in this industry for 30 years. Um, that bottle I mentioned, the, the 1926 bottle that just sold for you know, $2.7 million, that was laid down by the, at the McAllen Distillery by a woman, you know, what, what is that, like 80, 90, you know, almost, almost 100 years ago, what is that, 97 years ago. Um, and so that's really, really cool to think about that, like that type of foresight and that, like, again, this was somebody in the 1920s who did this, like a woman, like, you know, when you wouldn't expect that to be the case. Um, as far as on the global side, so we have users right now from all over the world It definitely leans heavier between, I'd say, the U.S. and the U.K. right now. Um, as far as user base, those tend to be the larger areas for trading. But we are growing and expanding. Um, we have a strong contingent of users now in China um, and in Southeast Asia that are that are increasing, um, some in Australia. And we're really, as we grow, what we're looking to do is open more vaults all over the world, more local vaults, because I think that will also help users get more comfortable with the idea that, hey, 
if I have bottles sitting at my house right now, you know, I don't want to necessarily ship them to America. That's and that's what we're looking to eliminate. There's still that risk. What I want to do is deposit it, you know, at a at a vault that's closest to my home. So we want to grow and expand our vaulting model as well to really give people more local storage and comfort and security. Absolutely. And finally, from when you guys founded the firm to now, how have things changed and what is uh, your long term view for the company at this point? Yeah, so when we first founded Baxis in uh, in 2021, um, NFTs and purely digital art were all the rage. You know, the idea that we were even talking about tokenizing real world assets was not on anyone's radar. Um, they were, you know, they were like, I don't understand. Like, do you destroy the whiskey and then just sell pictures of it? And I'm like, no, no, no. Like, the value is in the bottle. You don't, you don't want to destroy it. That's, that's, you know, that's. And really, we got, we got approached by potential investors we were talking with who thought that was the idea. There was. At the time, somebody who's like, if you have a diamond and you tokenize it and you destroy the diamond, the token has the same value. And I'm like, good luck proposing to someone with a tokenized diamond ring. Like, no one's going to want that. So there's really that was like the biggest early kind of hurdle was overcoming that perception that the future of tokenization is a purely digital element. Um, what's really grown for Baxa since then is this RWA meta, so to speak, has really emerged where people are starting to understand the value of, wait a second, actually taking things that people want already or that they've been trading already and making it easier to trade on a global scale is actually the solution we need. It's actually tokenizing whiskey and tokenizing gold and tokenizing all of these different types of you know trading cards and, and concert tickets, all of these different type of assets and making those available is really the secret over here to the, to the growth of the crypto and consumer markets. And that's in, in our opinion at Baxis, that's what we're noticing is everyone talks about onboarding the next million users to crypto, right? It's all about this is going to onboard a million users. And in reality, the platforms that have onboarded millions and millions of users have given people real world benefit, real world use cases. Um, decentralized social media is interesting and I'm curious to see where it goes, but people are okay with Facebook right now. They're okay with Twitter and Instagram and or X and, you know, and, and, and WhatsApp and all these different channels. So, you have to give them something novel that really doesn't exist. And what we're doing in the tokenized space and by making it possible for people all over the world to start trading, that's really unique. That's really unique. And that's something that Baxis is really setting out for is giving people real world experiences and real life benefits and use cases so that they can do things they never were able to do before, before blockchain really took off. And that's how we think the next million users are going to be onboarded to crypto and beyond is giving people real world value. Um, for real world assets and being able to have the same access to liquidity they could as if it was a car or a house. Absolutely. Also, any exciting things that we should be expecting or the market should be expecting from Baxis as the year closes? What are your expectations from the next year in particular? Uh, are you going to have any big New Year openings or offers for your consumers? Yeah, so Baxis is, um, we're, we're planning a lot of really big partnerships. I'm not going to announce any of them yet, but really big partnerships with well-known distilleries and wineries. And so we're going to be helping them, again, connect with their consumers, launch new products directly to the market, um, create new experiences. That's another really big part is that experiential element, where if you buy a bottle from a chateau in France, you can actually travel to the chateau and get a private tour that no one else gets except for the owners of those specific unique uh, bottles and assets. And that's really unique for users as well, because it means that when they're traveling, they're building this, you know, this bigger relationship over there. So that's that's something that you can definitely expect. Um, we actually just announced the other day that Baxis acquired Booze App. 
which is a, a platform that allows for people to go into their local you know, liquor stores and actually check prices to see if the local store's pricing is you know, fair pricing or how users rate the pricing. So we're going to be adding a lot of features to Booze App and Baxis. So user reviews, um, fair market pricing, but more importantly, we're going to be scaling Booze App on a global scale. Right now, it's really limited to the US. We're going to be working around the globe to collect local data so that people have an idea of what the bottles are worth you know, no matter where they are in the world. Um, so that's something else you can expect. And then ultimately really, really growing the number of, you know, assets and locations where our vaults are on the platform. So we're, we're, our goal is it's ambitious, but for 2024, we're aiming to have over a hundred million dollars worth of wines and spirits stored in our vaults and tokenized on the platform. That sounds pretty amazing. A lot of intense stuff coming up from you guys and your team. I wish you all the very best for it. And this was a really interesting and exciting chat once again. And I hope our users and audiences enjoyed it as much as I did. Thank you so much for joining us again, Sui, and on such short notice. And of looking course, forward thank you so much. To thank you. Thank you for having me. Take care. The pleasure was mine. Thank you, everyone.